All right, so thank you all for being here today. The purpose of this webinar, as many of us know, but some of us who are new may not, is really twofold. We seek to introduce the work of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. The webinar also seeks to create a platform for people who are already members of triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative reflection and support of the triangles work. Triangles is a simple visualization technique which uses the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. This work of triangles is to establish a line of light of loving, lighted communication between the three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. Three people link together as a triangle of light. This triangle is then placed within the planetary network of triangles. And as this planetary network is visualized, the great invocation is sounded and spiritual energies are released throughout the etheric network and into the consciousness of humanity. This service work need only take a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. If anybody on the webinar today would like to form a triangle, please just go ahead and place your name in the chat box and perhaps we can find two other people who would like to form a triangle with you. Today we have a returning presenter to the Triangles webinar, Nazanin Zodi, who will be speaking today um, on, she'll be relating to us a poem called The Conference of the Birds by Sufi poet Farid Uddin Attar. Nazanin is a freelance translator and linguist with an educational background in English literature, linguistics, and translation. And she has undertaken much research and translation work in ancient Eastern and Western philosophy and human civilization, especially in the Persian Empire. She has been introducing the work of triangles to the Persian community since 2018. So now before we proceed, let us join together in a short visualization. And Joshua, if you could proceed forward a few slides to the, to the entry. Perfect, there we go, thank you. Visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And now visualize within that sphere, a triangle. This is the triangle of the three primary planetary centers. Shambhala, planetary head center, 
hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points and filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, making east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands at outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize energies radiating forth from the center and through the five points of the planetary star. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity. We sound together the mantra. Radiance we are empowered. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. And thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. The theme of today's webinar is the heart and joy 
both important qualities of the soul or spiritual self. Joy is the natural prerogative of the soul. It is realized in the mind. It wells up from within. It thrills through every fiber of our being when right adjustment between the higher and the lower has been attained. When the soul, the heart, manifests as love on every level of one's being. Love, esoterically, is the demonstration of the systemic law on every plane. It is the impulse to manifestation or descent into matter, and love leads the weary traveler back to the Father's home. Love produces right adjustment between the form which it has created and its source. Love also destroys all barriers of separateness. It shatters the form and releases the indwelling life. This way, love eventually perfects all that is. Love, of course, is also the key to the perfecting of relationship between individuals, groups, nations, between the animal and human kingdoms, and between God and man. While we can reflect on this energy working out macrocosmic or in our national groups, there are perhaps more importantly, constant opportunities in our daily life to love and to express the energy of love. This necessitates a conscious effort to act and speak with love in every relationship, in every interaction. There is not one right way to do this. And each person in each circumstance finds the right words to say, the right actions to take, to align with this energy and to bring it forth. The right application of love extends beyond simply speech and action and requires also right thinking. On the path, we are implored to think clearly and without prejudice, to let our thoughts blend with our group, brother or sister, yet not to sway their mind. And only when one's own thoughts are pure, then can this blending begin. And then only in such a way that some light is thrown upon their way, that they come more readily to know love, to know that they are not alone, and are given the strength to do that which is right. An even higher expression of love, one higher than the mind, the concrete mind, comes when one is able to blend their soul with the soul of their brother or sister. In this state, one comes to literally know them as they are, the inner convictions, the past accumulated good of the ages, their highest potential. 
They know them not by their mistakes or limitations. This, of course, can only be done on the plane of soul. Thus, the importance of formal meditation and spiritual discipline, which allows one to consciously and intentionally act or contact the soul and to become one with it. When one is able to contact the soul, and in the light of that soul to contact others and the group soul, he or she comes eventually in contact with the plan and the part that each soul must play in its working out. This very high form of love, though, does not negate the individual and the personal. It lifts its up into its proper place as a vehicle and medium for the highest good. All these forms of love, of speech, of thought, and purpose, together constitute the practice of harmlessness, which is outlined in the ageless wisdom teachings, but also similarly in every major world religion. Harmlessness fundamentally is a state of mind, just based upon right motive and the focused intention that all one's activities be motivated by goodwill. Harmlessness is not passive. It often requires firm and definitive action. It requires the eradication of everything within oneself that is contrary to the good. It's the consecration of one's thought and intention to such an extent that one can think no evil, and one's tongue loses all power to wound. In this state, harmful action on any plane becomes impossible. Harmlessness requires the right carrying out of one's spiritual purpose, as the soul demands it, and also of one's mundane responsibilities as environment and circumstance indicate. Harmlessness establishes perfect relationship in all aspects of one's life and contacts and leads eventually to true peace. The Triangles Network is composed of many points of light, each connected by the thought and daily intention of its members. Like any coherent subjective group, it is much more powerful than simply the sum of its parts. The quality of that energy though, is the responsibility of individuals acting in accordance each in their own way, what they deem to be the highest good. The light and goodwill of the network circulates not from reflective contemplation alone. When the will to good is evoked, and brought to bear in one's daily life, then does it flower forth as goodwill. It has a radiatory effect which reaches upwards and outwards. This brings life and power to our network. One of the final stances of the great invocation implores humanity to be the means through which the plan of love and light works out so that the door to where evil dwells can be sealed. Harmlessness 
it is the key to the implementation of this vision. Patanjali writes in his Yogi Sutras about harmlessness. He says, in the presence of him who has perfected harmlessness, all enmity ceases. He also writes that the working out of any objective form is dependent upon a same or similar quality being present in the perceiver. That is, the perceiver can only contact that which is already to some degree a part of his or her own nature. Once all hatred and tendency to separateness has been expelled, nothing can then arise from him or her which will cause hatred or separateness in his or her environment. It is the same law of perception, you could say, whereby the soul or Christ nature is brought forth. This is affirmed also in the Christian Bible in the words of St. John when he says or writes, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Soul, the Christ nature is in all of us and in every living thing. The simple action of clear and pure perception with a purified vision, free from prejudice, is key to drawing it out and bringing it forth. So now if we could proceed with our meditation. Joshua, I think it's just one slide forward, thank you. We link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working in this Triangles Meditation Group. We invoke the spiritual world. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, Work out that will within the square and serve my fellow man.
using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the root soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy of the planet and also at the heart of each triangle. Hold the group mind open and receptive to this important energy of love.
precipitation. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all the visions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Next slide, please. We sound together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact to service. I seek to heal not hurt. Let pain bring doom of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere.
distribution, sounding the great invocation. As you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan of earth. Thank you, everybody. So now I'd like to turn it over to Nazanin. Nazanin, are you there? Uh, yes. Hello, Michael. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me? Hi, Nazanin. I can, I can see that you're talking, but I see there seems something wrong with my headphones, um, and I can't hear you. But I see that you're. I see from the transcription at the bottom that you are speaking. So why don't you go ahead and share your screen, and you can. Um, you can start your presentation. Okay, let's see it. Hello everyone. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak today. It's an honor to talk for the Triangles group again. Today's topic is the heart and joy. If we think about the heart, many different meanings come to our minds. For example, love, life, passion, strong feelings, compassion, care, people, soul, humanity, empathy, connection, sharing, and unity. But for me, the bold meaning of the heart is life. 
When I look at the people, I think about their hearts and see them as the life units where their hearts are beating. They are alive because their hearts are working. I am alive. You are alive. We are alive listening to this webinar because our hearts are working. This is the main similarity between us. We are alive human beings. Then I think about the heartbeats in people's hearts. Are they the same? Do they create the same frequencies? What do they spread with their heartbeats vibration to the world around them? Many, many things indeed. But I mostly hear one word, I. Have you heard the expression, you are my heart or you are my soul? But who is the most beloved person or thing in our hearts? How many people are in our hearts? One, two, ten, hundred. Could you count them for a moment? Now, could we expand our hearts from the most beloved one, whom I think is I, to the whole world, all the humanity, and the living beings on the earth? But how? Today, I decided to tell you a story, a very old Persian philosophical story by the name of the Conference of the Birds. The Conference of the Birds is an allegory of the soul's journey to the divine. It was written in the 12th century by the Persian Sophie, mystic and poet, Fariduddine Attar. The Conference of Birds begins when the birds of the world gather at the summit in order to seek their rightful king. They turn to be to the wise hoopoe for guidance, who tells them that they should acknowledge the great Seymour or Phoenix as it is known in the West as their king. In Persian mythology, Hupu is the symbol of the wise man or the master who leads his pupils to wisdom and enlightenment. And Seymour is the legendary bird which resides in the palace at the peak of Mount Of, which is a legendary circular mountain that surrounds the earth. Seymour represented the union between the earth and the sky serving as a mediator and messenger between the two. Any bird who wishes to meet Seymour should start a journey and cross the seven valleys. The group of birds starts the journey to cross seven valleys, but that journey to Seymour's court is long and difficult and filled with trials and tests. Each bird is a moral symbol of human behavior and represents a human fault, which prevents humankind from attaining enlightenment. For example, the nightingale is too in love with the rose to go on the journey. While he stares transfixed at his love, he fails to acknowledge his love's short life, makes him fullness likely to ever want to seek out eternal greatness in Seymour. The peacock whose main claim to fame in his beauty. He claims that he was made by the painter of the world 
and his pride lies with his external beauty. The peacock wishes to return to paradise from where he was banished. The partridge treasures. He is so desperate for shiny objects that have superficial material worth instead of looking for the eternal, which embodies the spiritual wealth. The dog is too proud of her purity. The dog presents herself as pious and pure. With her prayer rituals and purity of always washing herself in the water. The hawk is too proud of its social standing as the bird of kings. The hawk chooses to fixate upon portly glories. The finch claims to be too frail to go on the journey. The bird's excuse is that he is too weak to fly, but he has no courage to leave his safe place. The owl is too attached to his hidden treasures. He constantly wants to guard the precious materials that he has found. And the parrot represents a person who is too proud of his spirituality. At first, the birds are excited to embark on this quest, but begin to make excuses to stay behind when they realize the quest's difficulty. Since love seemed easy at first, but soon difficulties occurred. The hoopoe addresses each of their hesitations, fears, vanities, and questions with the stories and examples that counter each of their individual concerns. The birds formally adopt the hoopoe as their leader, and the hoopoe describes the seven valleys they must cross in order to reach the great Seymour's court. These seven valleys are as follows. The first valley is Valley of the Quest, where the birds or the pilgrims or aspirants undergo a hundred difficulties and trials to cast aside all dogma, belief and unbelief and open their minds to possibilities. The second valley is Valley of Love, where they must abandon reason and embrace passionate love with a full heart. In the Valley of Heart, one learns that love has nothing to do with reason. The third valley is Valley of Knowledge, where the birds must accept the uselessness of worldly knowledge and open their minds to a new way of thinking. This valley teaches that knowledge is temporary, but understanding Enders. Overcoming faults and weaknesses brings the seeker closer to the goal. The fourth valley is Valley of Detachment, where all desires and attachments to the world are given up and the assumptions of the nature of reality must vanish. To cross this difficult valley, one must be roused from apathy to renounce inner and outer attachments so that one becomes self-sufficient. The fifth valley is Valley of Unity, where the birds realize that everything is connected and that the divine power of the beloved is beyond everything. 
including harmony, multiplicity, and eternity. In the Valley of Unity, the hoopoe announces that although you may see many beings, in reality, there is only one, which is complete in its unity. As long as you are separate, good and evil will arise. But when you lose yourself in the divine essence, they will be transcendent by love. When unity is achieved, one forgets all and forgets oneself. The sixth valley is Valley of Wonderment, where the birds are entranced by the beauty of the beloved and become perplexed and in awe of the beloved, which allows them to realize everything they knew before this point was meaningless. Finally, the seventh valley is valley of poverty and nothingness, or let's say, nothingness, where the self disappears into the universe and the birds or pilgrims become timeless and are no longer confined by linear time. The hoopoe declares that the last valley of deprivation and death is almost impossible to describe. In the immensity of the divine ocean, the pattern of the present world and the future world dissolves. As you realize that the individual self does not really exist, the drop becomes part of the great ocean forever in peace and joy. When the birds hear the description of these valleys, they boo their heads in distress. Some even die of fright right then and there, but despite their apprehensions, they begin the great journey. On the way, many perish of thirst, heat, or illness, while others fall prey to wild beasts, panic, and violence. Many birds drop out of the journey one by one, claiming that they are not able to bear the journey or that the differences between them are too great to overcome. However, the wisest bird Hupu convinces them to continue the journey, advising them to focus on the integrity and ignore the conflicts between them. In the end, out of thousands of birds, only 30 birds remain in the group as they reach off the dwelling place of Simor. The Hupu guides them to a lake where they see the sea more in their own reflections. All they discover is a water lake in which they see their own image. The great sea more and the divine leadership they were seeking was within them all along. What they were looking for exists within their collective self and in the totality of all things. When the light of lights is manifested, and they are in peace. They become aware that the Seymour is them. They begin a new life in the Seymour and contemplate the inner world. By annihilating themselves gloriously in the Seymour, they find themselves in joy, learn the secrets, and receive immortality. So as long as we do not realize our nothingness and do not renounce our self-right, vanity, and self-love, we will not reach the heights of immortality. 
It is worth mentioning that Simog has two parts or syllabus in Persian. One is Si, which means number three, 30, and Moh, which means bird in Persian. So together, Simog means 30 birds. In this story, Simog is referring to the number of the birds that endured the journey. But if 40 or 50 had arrived, it would be the same. So if you allow me, I will read some verses from the poetry for you. Oh, my heart, if you wish to arrive at the beginning of understanding, walk carefully. To each atom, there is a different door. And for each atom, there is a different way, which leads to the mysterious being of whom I speak. If Seymour unveils his face to you, you will find that all the birds, be they 30 or 40 or more, are but the shadows cast by that unveiling. What shadow is ever separated from its maker? Do you see? The shadow and its maker are one and the same. So get over surfaces and delve into mysteries. Their life came from that close, insistent sun. And in its vivid rays, they shone as one. There in the Seymour's radiant face, they saw themselves, the Seymour of the world, with awe. They gazed and dared at last to comprehend they were the Seymour and the journey's end. They see the Seymour at themselves, they stare, and see a second Seymour standing there. They look at both and see the two are one. That, this is that, that, this, the goal is one. Then as they listen to Simo's words, a trembling dissolution filled the birds. The substance of their being was undone and they were lost like shade before the sun. Neither the pilgrims nor their guide remained. The Seymour ceased to speak and silence reigned. He who would know the secret of both worlds will find that the secret of them both is love. And this brings joy, the joy of love. In the end, I believe in our hearts, we want to be a Seymour. But the point is, one could not reach the Seymour's place on his own. It's not a place that an individual could reach there. This is the hidden real meaning of our heartbeats, saying that the human heart is not a place for I, it's the place for all. If we want to meet Seymour, we should connect our hearts to the whole humanity and all the living beings on the planet. When I think about our triangles group, I see Seymour in my heart, and this brings joy and the biggest smile on my face. Now, my friend, listen to your heart for a moment. Can you hear the voice of Seymour with every single heartbeat saying that you are part of me and I am part of you? If you are one of the birds on the journey to the seven valleys, then like me, you have a smile of joy and satisfaction on your face now. Thank you.
Thank you, Natalie. That was a really beautiful presentation. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. If you want, you can just keep sharing your screen, actually. Uh, uh, unless you need to access your computer or something. Um, it is sharing, isn't it? Yeah, it's still sharing. It's still sharing. I wasn't sure if you were about to cancel. Okay, so I should just stop sharing now, yes? No, no, you can keep it up. You, it's fine. All right, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's fine to keep it there. Okay. Uh, the beautiful pictures as well. <laughs> Thank so, you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if um, now is the part of the webinar. If anybody would like to share any comments, or if you have some questions for Nazanin. Nazanin, am I saying your name correctly? I meant to check with you. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> okay. Yes, if anybody um, has any comments or questions they'd like to make, please feel free to raise your hand. Uh, you can do it by going to the reactions button on your Zoom toolbar and clicking raise hand. Looks like there's already a hand up. Nazanin, that was a very uh, interesting talk and it was a very rich story you shared with us. Thank you. I hope so. I hope you like it. Yeah. Uh, on YouTube, uh, somebody was looking to form a triangle uh, by the name of Cortar Elva. So if anybody's interested in connecting with them, uh, you can head up to the live stream we have on YouTube. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah, Nesden, I was really struck by this story. I, th I thought so beautifully it illustrated that idea of the individual sort of discovering, exactly. sort of moving beyond their individuality and sort of finding them, finding suddenly that they, having given up all of it, you know, they, they sort of find it again in a truer sense. And I think, you know, this sort of, there's a similar story in a lot of different um, a lot of different cultures, I think. I've heard this same sort of archetypal story in different ways before. Um, but this one was just so perfect with the birds. I, I really do think it was. And I was especially struck by that one comment that the, that the birds, upon seeing all the seven valleys, some of them just suddenly died of fright. Exactly, <laughs> yes. And, and how, um, you know, we think, Think sort of an analogy, you know, they, sort of they, they saw the entire path you go before them and they just, for them, it was so impossible, they just up and died. And I think sort of a, a sort of analogy in the, in the individual life, it was like, you know, if you were a, a young child and suddenly all the difficulties of adulthood, all the responsibilities and all the many burdens you would have to bear were suddenly just revealed to you all at once, you wouldn't be able to stand it. It's something you have to take on gradually and over time step-by-step step as you sort of mature. I think, I think perhaps the spiritual path is the same. You know, sometimes we see these very high ideals of complete self-effacement and universal love, and they may be attractive to us, but they just seem so sort of difficult of achievement. But I think it's just small steps we can take. You know, none of us are perfect, of course, and we all just sort of do our best, and step-by-step step we make our way through. Would you agree? Of course, yes. And the most important thing for me is that, that um, you know, 
when um, when I was younger, when I actually heard the Seymour, I thought that, okay, I'm going to be a Seymour. But <laughs> later I understand that Seymour is not a place that I, ca I can go there alone and I can't uh, become a Seymour. Um, otherwise the group and the whole humanity could be there. So realizing this is very important because in inside us everybody wants to be a Seymour. Everyone wants to be the perfect one. So but this this is the path for the group and this is the group initiations to become a Seymour. Mm -hmm. And yes, gradually everybody should be gradually there and uh, step by step. It's an ongoing um, actually journey. Uh, it's very important actually to to have a friends there in this journey. So the all the companions, all the friends, and for the triangles group members, every time that I have the meditations, um, I have a smile. Really, I have a smile on my face because I think that oh, there are lots of people out there thinking and meditating on the triangles and uh, we have in the same journey so it brings joy for me knowing mm -hmm. this yes it's the joy of the group companionship <laughs> okay well it is already four o'clock um would you like to go ahead and wrap up Marisman? would you have anything uh, else you wanted to um, actually, I I see there are lots of uh, comments here. Would you like uh, to read a few of them before we close? Uh, yes, I guess there are lots of thank you. Thank you all <laughs> for listening. And um, Ellie uh, said that uh, it reminds of the Mayan phrase popularized by Jose. Arguelas, if I actually pronounce it right. So the meaning is that I am you and you are me. Yes, exactly. Yes, thank you for saying it. And uh, uh, Isabel uh, says, um, okay, that's um, thank you, faithful. Uh, the Persian wisdom is more than 7,000 years old and uh, your narration showed that the journey is still the same. Yes, the path of initiation. <laughs> exactly, yes. The, the Persian wisdom is 7,000 years, but it seems that nothing has changed, or really nothing has changed for human <laughs> from the 7,000 years. Yes. To be positive, a little bit changing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's say. Fundament, <laughs> fundamental still yeah fundamentally yes. yeah it's yes. going to be changed yes hopefully yes. Yes. yes in the new age let's say um thank you everyone thank you for your time and thank you for listening to this story actually i think that the the story with lots of examples can bring much more uh, relative meanings to our discussions Thank yes. You so much. Thank you. Um, Let's just go ahead. Nothing. No, okay. No, no. <laughs> I was just going to say, let's go ahead and um, conclude with a moment of silence.
of this and they can all work together and with the, and with the network. Thank you. Thank you.